Everybody know who that is? That's not Jesus. Leave it up there a minute. I want to show you something. That proves I had hair. Isn't that about a rowdy looking dude? I'm gonna, I, I put it up there for a reason. Do you see the shirt? That's the only shirt I owned. Those are not Levi pants, they're Cherokee jeans. Buy them at the Army store for five bucks. The clothing I have right there on my body is all I owned in the world. And there's a cross on my neck because this is one month after I got saved. You know why God didn't ask me to cut my hair? Because he knew it was going to fall out. Anyway, I'm putting together a big wheel for Che. She rode the fire out of that thing for years. Anyway, you can take that thing down now. I wanted to show you that because every once in a while, many of you think, I want you to listen when I'm speaking. That's where I came from. I knew one scripture in the Bible. That's all I knew in the world. I had no job. I had no money. And I was sick as a dog when I got saved. And God brought me out of all that to where I am now. Amen. Exceeding abundantly above anything I ask or think. I own my house. I own my truck. I own my jet ski. I own my boat. I own everything. I didn't do any of it. God is a good God. The reason I showed you that is because many of you... We have people come in here all the time and your situation's not very good and you think we've always been like we are. We, I have not always been like I am. As a matter of fact, my family today is still amazed that God uses me at all. We were on, my, my brother Ronnie and my sister Robin and Nancy, we were on Facebook, I mean on the uh, phone last night and they were talking about Brunswick stew and was it originally made with squirrels? I told him, I says, well, you should have asked me. I shot them all the time, you know. But anyway, because I was such, you know, I was such the country boy. As a matter of fact, I didn't have any shoes on. I had a pair of shoes with holes in the bottom. Can you imagine coming out of that? Can you imagine God could actually take someone like that and turn them into a pastor? Do you think he could take your life and do anything with it? Yes, sir. yes he will. It'll be incredible. I want to show you something. We're going to do, I got a great sermon for you today. Um, if you would start with me and go with me, please, to 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to start with verse 1. You'll see in a minute the, the real reason that I showed you those picture, that picture. The Holy Ghost just kept prompting me, find that picture, find that picture so people can see where you have come from. And there's more to the story that I've never told y'all. There's a lot more to the story. Are you in, are you in 2 Timothy 3.1? Let's begin reading. I want you to know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Honey... You can't take your faith and stop it. They're coming. And I'm going to tell you something else. It's going to get worse. Now, I didn't say that to scare you. You don't have anything to be afraid of. But I'm telling you that the world around you is getting worse. 
Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. I've never seen a generation like this one with the kids. Uh, to television, it is, um, is constantly um, cracking on parents, kids, smarting off to parents. And that's supposed to be television. And I don't, it's not in my house. Unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without any self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, bullheaded, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, have a form of godliness but denying its power. One translation says denying its ability to change you. From such people turn away. Now, if you would also look at 2 Timothy 4.1. I charge you, therefore, before God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, God, Paul is writing a letter to, to Timothy. He's the pastor of a church. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come. We're there now and getting worse. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they'll heap up for themselves teachers, they'll turn away their ears from truth, be turned to fables, be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist. If you also would turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, just turn one book back, two pages in your Bible, 3.15. If I'm delayed... I write so that you ought to know how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and the ground of truth. That's our job. Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. How can you have church if you don't have truth? You can't have church without truth. I have a pastor friend of mine, um, actually I'll tell you who he is, Earl Gleason is the regional director of Rama now in, in Florida. We just changed regional directors and, and him and I are good friends. We actually went to Haiti together and preached in a Bible school together. Uh, he's, he's a great, great guy. He took his staff with him uh, about a month ago to a church growth seminar in St. Augustine. It was a dog and pony show. The man got up and preached how to grow a church. Actually, it wasn't how to grow a church, how to grow a crowd. And he said, we, we need to remain humble and never say anything to anybody that would offend them. We're not to preach sin. We're not to mention homosexuality. We're not to mention abortion. We're not to say anything from the pulpit that would cause anybody in the building to be uncomfortable. I don't know how you plan on pastoring church. That's the new church growth. And I'm going to tell you something. I, I can't name names to y'all. I wished I could. But this way bigger than you think it is. And a lot of the younger preachers that are coming up now are buying into this. It's actually... Um, that, well, they're becoming false prophets. Amen. 
John 8, turn over to John 8. Do you guys know I love y'all? Because I do. You can't pastor without loving people. You can't do it. And you can't love people unless you tell them the truth. <laughs> now let's read this. Jesus said to those Jews that believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. He didn't say anything about being a convert. Now listen, let's go back to what this man said. He said, when people come in, if they're homosexuals, if they're living in adultery, let them come and be in our church and serve with us. And after they've been here for a year or two, they will see how much we love them and they'll change. Will they? No. They'll change you. So what do you do with the parable of the sower that says the minute those two women leave, they get into temptation, they fall away. What, what, if there is no repentance, how are you going to make a convert out of somebody there's no repentance of sin? Are y'all out there or did you go home? This is, this is the new church pattern for growing churches. And many of you are enamored with how big the churches are in town. And you feel like, what are we doing wrong? Maybe nothing. Can I say that Hitler had a big crowd? Was he right? So a crowd doesn't mean you're right. As a matter of fact, one day Jesus was preaching and everybody left him. You remember the garden? How many people left God that day? Everybody. Remember heaven? Do y'all think heaven's nice? You think heaven's nice, pretty, music's good. And third of the angels left. Just because you're doing something right doesn't mean people don't leave. Don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good. You have to decide right now whether you want to walk with God or not. You've got to decide that. Let's read this right here. It says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you're my disciples, not a convert, a disciple. You will know the truth and the truth will make you free. How are you going to know the truth if no one's ever allowed to preach it to you? Today, I'm going to preach a sermon to you called faith is obedience. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to show you how to increase your faith. I'm going to show you how to walk with God. And I'm going to show you how to take your flesh and kill it. And I'm going to tell you the truth. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. There's going to be people in the room right now that will get excited about it. They love God. And there's going to be people who are going to walk out of here mad as a hotcake. I decided a long time ago somebody's going to be mad at me. You or God? I like God. That doesn't mean I don't love you. I do love you. Are y'all understanding this? I showed you a picture of me because the day that I got born again, I got my hands on some truth. I've been to church. My boyhood, listen, I went to a church on Easter, and I went to a church at Christmas, and I went to vacation Bible school, 
And not one time did anybody ever talk to me about Jesus. I'd have gone to hell. Going to church. Where's Terry? Can I use you as an example? This is, this is a man that came out of a Catholic church here in town. How long did you go to church? How long? How long did you go to another church? How long? 70. 70 years. When did you get born again? When you came here? Yeah. I said that. Thank you, Terry. That's sweet. 70 years in church and going to hell. That's unexcusable, folks. Now, it, you would think if the pastor cared, he'd actually preach the word. So what are we after, a crowd? I'm not after a crowd. I'm after you. I want you to have a better life. Is that fair? So if I preach truth to you, is that okay? What if it makes you mad? That's okay too. You parents, have you ever made your kids mad? Yeah. Yeah. Good mom. Good dad. I said this in the first service. I'm saying now, just your children are not your friends. I'll tell you when they can become your friends. When they get married, have children, and move away. But until then, they're your children, and you're the mom, and you need to whoop them. (laughs) If they're bad. Love is telling people the truth. Matthew 28, go over there. I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to show you what Jesus said. I don't know. Is that it? I, I always thought that was a big deal. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Y'all are wonderful to preach to. 28, 19. Go therefore and make converts in every nation. What? What is a disciple? I want to show you what a disciple is. You're going to learn this. It's going to be powerful. Make a disciple of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe. What's that word observe mean? Teach them to do what I said. All right. What is faith? All faith is, is obedience. That's all it is. You said, I want greater faith. Obey. God, you and I are not talking God into the notion of being honest. God will do his part. All right. His only problem that he's ever had is you and I. If you do what he told you to do, he'll do his part. You don't need to come to church and start being mad at God because he didn't do something. Honey, if someone's wrong, if it's God and you, God and you, God and you, one of y'all are wrong, who is it? It's not God. God don't lie. He'll do what he said. He's honest. And you couldn't make him be honest if you wanted to. So church, 
My job, he said, go in all the world, make a disciple out of them, and stand up on Sunday morning and tell them what I said they're to do. Now, that's also why we only have 300 people in this church. But the football game has 20,000. Because football is more important in America than God. I didn't say football wasn't important. (laughs) I didn't say hunting and fishing wasn't important. I just said God's more important. But you're looking around America and going, what's wrong with America? I can tell you exactly what's wrong with America. We don't like this book. Come on, don't shout me down. All right. Well, we do. We do. Say we do. I'm going to read something to you um, that I got from Tony Cook. Now, I got to show you guys this, especially you younger whippersnappers. You whippersnappers. I, I journal. I didn't know if y'all knew that. I journal things that the Lord says to me. I I tear stuff out of magazines and stuff, and I paste it in my little book. And I'm running out of paper, and I've already begun my second journal, this one I've had for a couple of years. And I write all kinds of stuff, and if I'm in a meeting, the Holy Ghost keeps saying something to me, I write that down, and I go over and over and over. I got an article by Tony Cook. Now, if y'all know Tony Cook, Tony Cook is about as vanilla as you can get for a preacher. Now, what I mean by that is that he's not... He's not a dynamic, cotton-spitting preacher. He's not Jesse. He's a lot more like Andrew, only milder than Andrew. And that means that everything, Tony is like shoes are shined every time he gets in the pulpit. His ink pens in his drawer are probably lined up perfect. You know what I'm talking about, Tony Cook. For Tony to write this article is really God. And I'm very proud of him for that. I'm going to write, I'm going to read this to you. Preaching popularity and the wrath of God by Tony Cook. That's every preacher must answer the following questions within his own heart. Will I preach what God's word says or will I preach what people want to hear? Will I preach to please God or please man? Jesus speaks of people who love the praise of men more than the praise of God. Those who prefer to please men more than God should consider Jesus' remark. What sorrow awaits you who are praised by the crowds? For their ancestors praised false prophets also. Speaking of such individuals, Jeremiah declares, the prophets prophesy falsely, but the people love to have it so. People love to hear only success every Sunday morning. Don't say anything that would cause me to be upset. That could not be a good church. My children, I can't remember which one it was. It might have been Ashley. Told me one day that she was going to run away. She was going to go down the street because the kid down the street had it better than us. And I said, I'll help you pack. And I said, and I want you to remember that Christmas, I ain't buying you nothing. (laughs) And your birthday, I ain't buying you nothing. And then she also told me one time, if I spanked her, she was going to call the HR, what is that? It's DCF now. It was called something else then. What was it? 
So I turned her over my knee and I whooped her tail. And then I handed her the phone. Is that love? You better believe it's love, baby. You're, you're going to live in my house. You're going to follow rules. I don't care what DCF says to you. I'll tan your hide and tan DCF's hide. <laughs> Is this, y- y'all, uh, parents understand this, but why don't we bring this over into Christianity? What kind of pastor would I be if I only preached to you what you want to hear? And never, ever told you the truth. Now, today I'm going to give you some truth. It's going to help you too because it'll set you free. Vance Havner said, popularity has slain more prophets of God than persecution ever did. I think that could be applied to the pursuit of popularity as well. Charles Finney shares some great insights into an article entitled, How to Preach Without Converting Anybody. And some of his points include, preach on every doctrine that centers the attention on man rather than Jesus. Teach every doctrine that makes man the center of God's attention rather than God the center of man's devotion. And tell people only what God would do for them. Avoid preaching the necessity of a radical change of heart through the truth revealed by the heart by the agency of the Holy Spirit. And preach salvation by grace. Ignore the condemned, lost condition of the sinner so that he should never understand that what grace means and that you need it. You understand, there was hundreds and hundreds of them, and I didn't write them all down. Amen? Go to Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to show you something now. Say, we're going to go deep. We're fixing to go real deep. But it's good for us, and I'm going to show you why it is in a minute. Ephesians 2. I could quote it, but I like seeing it in my Bible. For by grace, God's unmerited favor, you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast, for we are with his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. I'm going to quote a scripture to you. I want you to listen as I quote it. The free gift is not like the offense, but by one man's offense many died. Much more the grace of God and the gift of grace by one man, Jesus Christ. Is salvation free? What did it cost God? So it wasn't free, was it? Your salvation was not free. Your salvation was not free. Somebody paid it. Somebody paid your debt. So I'm going to ask you a question. What should your response be to someone who paid that high a price for you. Thank you for the salvation, but don't expect me to do anything because I ain't doing nothing, you say. Really? You're saved by grace through faith. What would you do if I told you that faith is obedience? If you don't have, listen, if you're not obeying God, you have no faith in God. That's a powerful statement. People come to me all the time. They come in the church and they make a statement. Pastor, I don't understand the Bible. That's why I don't read it. I don't understand it. Well, nobody ever told you to read it to understand it. Read it to do it. Start with the Sermon on the Mount. You will not get through the first chapter before you find three or four things you need to start doing. Like worry, stop it. 
Are y'all out there as you go home? It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a novel. It's a book on how to live your life. Faith demands you obey. If you're not obeying the Bible, you have no faith in God at all. You have no victory. I'm going to show you a scripture. I'm going to prove that to you. Hebrews. Are y'all ready for this? Are y'all okay? Uh, I'm going to do it anyway whether you're okay or not. But uh, Hebrews 11.8. I want you to see this. I want you to put it on the overhead. I want you to see it. By faith, Abraham what? Obey. Obey. God said, I want you to get out of your land and I want you to go someplace else. What did he do? Did he do it? Yeah, he did it. How do we know he had faith? Because he did it. So I'm going to ask you the $100 question. Can you see faith? Yes. You can see faith. Do you remember when Jesus was in the house and they came and they tore the roof off? It says Jesus saw their faith. What did he see? He saw them doing something. If what you're doing, we can see where you are with God. I can tell you where you are with God. I, I mean, all I got to do is just look at you. Do you believe in praying in tongues? Do you pray in tongues? An, a half an hour every day? If you don't, you don't believe it. You say, oh, yeah, I do. No, you mentally assent to it being true. But if you don't do it, you don't believe it. The word believe is the word by live, by live. It's what you live by. If you're not living by it, you don't believe it and you don't have any faith. You say, God, you say, Pastor, I've I've been praying and I'm not receiving. Go back and find what he told you to do that you're not doing. That's all you got to do. You just got to sit in the house and, and conjure up a smoke called faith. I'm just believing. I'm just believing. I'm just believing. No, you're not. You're grunting. Go to the bathroom if you're going to grunt. My God. Come on, I got to wake you up every once in a while. All faith is, is doing what he said. It's not rocket science. Christians go to church in order to know what he said. So they can order their lives by it. All right, we're going to get in. We're gonna, are you all ready for this? This is not, it's real simple. It's really simple. Has anybody in here other than me and Lisa ever disobeyed God? Has anybody ever read any scriptures you didn't like? Yeah, I had a guy at work one time that came up and he threw mud on me. He said, hey, Christian, what you going to do? He said, the Bible tells you to turn your cheek. I said, I only got two. <laughs> I've only gotten in one fight at work since I've been saved. I'm not, I'm not proud 
of the fact that I have allowed my flesh to take over at times. But I have. But I think you relate to me very well. When God came and did something one day at work, I was not having a good morning. And he threw the mud on me one too many times. I climbed off the scaffold and I smacked the fire out of this guy. And we went at it. About halfway through the fist fight, I stopped and looked at him and said, I'm sorry, my God, I got to repent. <laughs> and they said, Morgan's a wuss. I said, no, Morgan's not a wuss. Morgan's in sin. I got to stop right now. We got to get over here to get right with God. <laughs> I apologized to him for hitting him and got back and went back to work. I went to God and I said, you got to help me with my temper. You got to help me, Jesus. Now, there's been times after that. I shook. <laughs> one kid got in my face one day, and I, was, I mean, I'm just sitting there going, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. And, and I left, and, and he kept his face. Intact. I mean, y'all, men, there's people here who don't understand what I just said. How many men in here? You know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, don't come in my house after dark because I'll kill you. And then I'll pray over you before you die. Don't mess with my wife, I'll kill you. And I won't apologize to you for that, okay? That's not flesh, that's just, okay. Anyway, I found scriptures in the Bible that I didn't like. And one day we'll talk about, there's things in here that, we'll talk about that in a minute. We won't get there anyway. Let me read a few more to you. Along this line, now listen, listen to this. In the book of James... Is James contradicting Paul? No, he's not. I want to read this to you. What is a prophet, my brother, if someone says he has faith and doesn't have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked, destitute of daily food, and you say to him, depart in peace and be worn and filled, and you do not give them the things that are needed for their body, what is that prophet? Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. If you say I have faith and you're not obeying God, you have dead faith. That's a powerful statement. Someone says you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe God? The devils believe there's a God. And they tremble. Do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with works and by works, faith was made perfect? Now, wait a minute. I thought we just read that we're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good what? Works. Works. 
So is faith a work? Yes. yes. All right, I'm going to prove it to you. Do you think that me and this lady are married? Yes. How many of y'all are convinced by watching us? Yes. Nobody in here going, I don't think so. <laughs> All right, but let's say that hypothetically that we had a wedding and she's still living at home with her mom. No kids. Every time you see me, she's not there. Every time you see her, I'm not there. Now, I mean, and we tell you there was a day we went and got married. How many of y'all would begin to wonder about us? Anybody would wait around and go, eh, I don't think you're right in the head. Am I right? So, so the vows... Well, you walk up, do you take this man, do you take... If you say vows and there's no fruit, are you married? You gave your word, now you're not keeping it. God gave everything for you. Is there something you're supposed to be doing now? Yes, listen to me. You gave him you. If you're a Christian... You gave your life away. You say, I don't like that. We'll go to hell. If you're the bride of Christ, I think he'd like to know where you are. This is kind of strong, but it's exactly the opposite of all the secret sensitive churches right now. I'm going to tell you, this sermon ain't been preached anywhere within 100 miles of this place. And then again, I'll tell you why I'm doing this in a minute. You'll see. It's called obedience. Titus 1.16. You ready for me to read? They profess to know God, but in works they deny him. Being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Is God looking at what you're doing? You better bet your sweet bippy he's looking at what you're doing. And he's watching you close. Let's read another one. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully on the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not conform yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. And he who called you is holy, you be holy in conduct. As it is written, be holy, for I'm holy. If you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to everyone's work, work, work. Conduct yourselves through your time of here in fear, knowing you're not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. You were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, a lamb without blemish and without spot. What did he, what did he use to, to pay for you with? Something very precious. Now, I got to tell you a little bit about mine and Lisa's dating. And she doesn't like me. To, I'll be gracious. I won't say anything she won't like. It was fun stealing her from all the good looking guys. Because I had enough sense at 30 to know what women want. I didn't see the movie, What Women Want, but I knew what women want. So her, her other male friend, I saw him take her out and they went Dutch. I said, no, you don't take a girl out and go Dutch. Never take a girl out Dutch. 
You, if you demand, you pay. And you do not use her car. You use your car. If you don't own a car, get one. She don't want to be married to no bum who can't afford a car. How's that? How'd I do it? How'd I do it? So I found out what she wanted to eat. And I took her. We went to Chi Chi's. On the other side of town. Walked in there. Now she did make one mistake. She's forgiven for it. She pulled up a chair and she sat down. And I stood there and waited. Because it's time for her to learn how ladies act. And I very kindly showed her that I'm to pull her chair out for her. And put it in for her. I opened doors. You don't open the door. I opened the door. I opened the car door. I still opened the car door for her. Now let me tell you what to do when, you, when, it, when it comes Christmas time. You got to spend some money. Now men, listen to me. Don't you be going down to no key catalog showroom by no ring. No $29.95. We're talking the jewelry store. Now there's something about a woman and a diamond. I'm going to tell you, she don't need no loop. She can tell you what, how much that thing cost. I went out and got her a bunch of diamonds and she found the most expensive diamond on the whole thing. She reached over and picked it up and that was the 10, was it the $10,000 diamond you found? It was 5,000, what was it? It was expensive. I said to the guy, I said, why did you bring that one over here? She got, he got diamonds all over this velvet and he's got one real per, uh, perfect, perfect diamond. And she reached over and goes, I want that one. And I went, why'd you do that? Anyway. But I remember one year that I called a jeweler and I found out she liked Lindy Star Sapphires and had her a ring built. And she thought she, and for Christmas I took her, took her out to dinner. Nice restaurant. I ain't talking McDonald's. With napkins, white napkins and silverware, real stuff. And take her out and took her down to the winter, I mean, uh, Mount Dora under the lights, Christmas tree lights, opened up the box and showed the ring. That's, see, this is how you win a woman. You, you, you got to treat her if she is of value. You treat her like she's valuable. All right, now I'm, I gotta, I, I'm going somewhere. What am I after? You bet. You see, I want her to walk an aisle with me. And she did. All the boys were crying. <laughs> whole, whole male cry section over there. I gave them napkins. And they kept going, what did he do? What's he got? We don't got. And I said, I got brains, buddy. That's what I got. Why did Jesus do what he did? He wanted you. He wanted you as a brother. He's looking for devotion. 
He's not looking for you to show up on Sunday when it everything. He's not looking for this lukewarm mess that we call Christianity. Well, it's quiet in this Baptist church. When you respond to him, you're going to respond in like manner. That day we walked the aisle, May the 3rd, 1986. I was the only wedding I ever went to. I didn't cry. Mine. She's coming down there with this beautiful white dress. I'm thinking, when I get you out of here. Because we're going to Jamaica. Up until that night, I'd had to get her home every night at a certain time. I ain't taking you home tonight. And I'm standing there, and they're, they're coming down, and the flower girl, and I'm just sitting there going, I ain't taking her home. I ain't never taking her home again. And when this is over, I'm taking her to my house, and I don't ever want to see her mama again. But Thanksgiving and Christmas. Are y'all out there? You understand? I mean, I'm, I've been working hard for this girl. You know, if something's valuable, pay the price. And God thought you were valuable and he paid a high price for you. And he's looking for a response. Isn't he? Is there action in love? There is. Yeah, there is. Listen to this. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. God said, I will dwell in them and I'll walk among them. I'll be their God and they'll be my people. Therefore, come out from among them, says God. Be separate. Do not touch what's unclean and I'll receive you. I will be a father to you. You'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Therefore, having these promises, let's cleanse ourselves from all the filthiness of our flesh and spirit and perfect holiness in the fear of God. Is there a lifestyle that goes with this? Yes, there is. If you came in here today, and I'm not giving an altar call right now, and you're tired of the hell you're in, come up. Get born again. I'm going to tell you something. It'll be the best thing you ever did in your life. Because I'm going to tell you, the day you walk up and say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, he's going to take you in. And he's going to wind you, dine you, and help you. But he's also going to, he's also going to ask you to clean up. Amen. So there is one thing I placed a high demand on her. I don't ever want to see one of your boyfriends again. Was that fair? You better believe it. Because I tell him, you know what? Now that fight, I ain't stopping. I got that from Kenneth Copeland. Never mind. It's quiet in this church right now. I want you to go to Romans chapter 12. That a song years ago. Ain't no mountain high enough. Ain't no valley low enough. One day I should tell you stories about me and Lisa's dating, but she can't be here. I got to tell y'all what I'm right now because y'all, we're on. I'm in the mood. Lisa loves to swim. Now, if y'all don't know that, you've never been to our house. She's got a lake and a jet ski and a kneeboard and a swimming pool and a kayak and 25 bathing suits. I don't know what else. She's not really blonde. It's salt water. It just bleaches her hair out. Anyway, she's a... 
But she had this lake she used to come home from work and go hide at. Well, I found out about it. And she's over there secretly swimming in this lake on the way home. And when she comes to the dock, I'm sitting on it. You're talking about a freaked out girl. You're stalking me. <laughs> if you didn't hear that, she says, I'm stalking her. I was, yeah, I was stalking her. She looked up at me and she said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I came to see you. How'd you know I was here? I said, God told me. <laughs> Through her brother. I said, you want to go to dinner? I said, yes. She said, yes. God stalks you. Did you know that? He's looking for you. Constantly watching you. Dating Lisa was a lot of fun. Doing things for her was a lot of fun. I think God, God loves doing stuff for us. But I think he's looking for a relationship. Romans 12.1. Look at this. I want to show you something. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. What's he saying that for you to do here? There's things in your flesh. He wants you to kill it. So if you, if you, listen, listen, what are you supposed to be doing with all that sin? Cut it off, kill it. Throw it, get it out of your house. Listen, get it out of your life. In, in Ephesians it says, put away from you, put it away. Now I told you, I showed you a picture of me. The day I got saved, the playboy in the dump, the rock music in the dump. The marijuana in the dump. The beer in the dump. He said, the first thing he said to me, get this stuff out of your life. Why? Because if you want to walk with God, he's not walking with you with that mess. If, there's a, if you're a Christian, there's a killing going on. God really wants to just kill you. All the stuff in you he doesn't like. He expects it to, there's things in you that's going to die. If you're going to walk with God, he's going to kill some stuff. Your selfishness, he's, he's going to lay it on the altar and help you kill it. Don't bring that stuff in church. Come in here whining 20 years later. and, and Listen, you ought, to, you ought to have dealt with some stuff in your flesh by now. Your bad attitudes, kill it. Your whiny baby, kill it. Your selfishness, kill it. The me, me, me's, kill it. Lay it up on the altar, pull a knife out and kill it. Yes, say, I'm fixing to kill you. You keep acting like that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. If you're selfish, get married. Marriage cares selfishness. Well, hold on a minute. If marriage doesn't cure it, have children. (laughs) Am I right? I mean, man, you know, about four children a year later, how many of y'all are different now than when you, before you, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You walked in this thing like a stud muffin when you was 20 years old. I had a man, I had a man. And she's going, I'm hot to trot, baby. I'm hot to trot. And then four kids later, y'all walking in there going, we love Jesus. We love Jesus. We love Jesus. 
and the kids are following along behind you. We, we got a little mama right here. Now, I'm going to tell you something I love about Karen. When you see her, whenever she goes anywhere, now she has to move. She has to get the car seat and put it in. And then she gets the baby and puts it in the thing in the little, in the back seat and straps him in. And then she goes back in the kitchen and she gets the milk and the formula and the diapers and the whippy, wipey bottom sticker whoopie doopies. And she got to put them in this bag and put that in that bag. And then Josh is coming on behind her and they're just, where are y'all going? 7 <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> when you come home at night he's been sleeping in the car for four hours he's wide awake and you're ready to go to bed you're in the bedroom and you can hear him in the bedroom mom I'm hungry put earplugs in you stay awake all night long, and Josh wakes up the next morning and calls in. You coming to work? Yes. I'll be there in a minute. So if marriage doesn't fix you, kids will. And then when they get older, you're looking for a card. Just a card. Flowers. I want flowers and chocolate. If you had any idea what I went through to raise you. Now I'm going to tell on Che now. This is my daughter back here, Che. It'll be good, Che. You have no idea when you get the phone call and you they go, Dad, have I ever thanked you for raising me? No, Che, you haven't. Thank you. I said, how are the kids? What pray for me? <laughs> I'm going to wash that gray right out of my hair. Selfishness, and see, there's things in your life, they got to go, folks. You, you, cannot, you cannot walk with God until you're ready to start being obedient. That book was not written so you could just get healed and get some money in the bank. This book is to teach you how to walk with God. And it's, it, you don't want it bigger. It's big enough. Someone says, what's the Lord showing you? I don't know. I'm still working on what he said last week. I'm still over here on this one scripture. I'm still, I'm having a hard time with just this one. Maybe I'm the only one in here. I'm going to tell on myself now. I'm going to tell on myself. Because you, you guys are such a gluttons. You don't care if I tell all of all the stuff on me. There's no telling the stuff. Lisa don't want me to tell nothing on her, but I got to tell on me. Now, I went through a time in my life where I really got tired of doing what he said. 
Now, I know I'm the only one in here who ever did that. But I'm going to tell you all something. I was in church every Sunday. I was in church every Wednesday night. Matter of fact, I was a youth pastor. I read my Bible every day and I prayed every day. But I was miserable. Now, I know none of y'all have ever, nobody knew that. And I, I opened up my Bible and it says, great is the peace of my children. And, great, you know, and I have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ and righteousness, peace, and joy. I made all my confessions. And I, I'm going to tell you also, I didn't have any peace. I didn't have any peace. And I didn't have any joy. I, I was like this. I don't know, Lisa, how long was I? This, I, I the guys at work one day looked at me and said, Morgan, we wish you'd get right with God. I said, how come? They said, you're making us miserable just hanging around you. A Christian not, not obeying God is the most miserable person on the earth. A sinner is going to hell and they're happy. A Christian disobeying God, they're mean as a junkyard dog. They're miserable. And I was miserable. I'm coming down the road one day in my truck and the Lord said, now see, listen to me. I'm going to bear a little bit of my, when I, I left home and went to Ramah, I obeyed God. I left a job and I moved to Tulsa. I obeyed him. And then I went to Bible school and I left Tulsa. I had a job with the hardest to come. Now I was making good money. Second largest apartment, com builder, apartment complex builder west of the Mississippi River. Roger Hardesty had an F-16 for a toy. I was making money. God said, move to Orlando. I moved to Orlando. I became a youth pastor. I lost my wife. I lost my kids. I lost my church, and now I'm in work in construction. I don't know whether I want to serve God anymore. I don't mean I didn't love God. It's just that I'm not quite sure I want to get devoted to God. So I kind of did what y'all do. I just faked it. Sing kumbaya, raise your hands, two hymns, two hers, read a Bible scripture, and go do your own thing. But I'm going to tell you something, I had no joy. And I kept praying, God, where's my joy? Where's my joy? And one day he came in my pickup truck and said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? I said, I said, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid to serve you. I've lost everything serving you. I don't know. I've just got married again. I, I, wanna, I don't know what you're going to ask me to do. Anybody relate to this? It's going, if you're going to live for God, it's going to cost you something. But it, does it really cost you? If you want to own a pickup truck, it's going to cost you. You want to own a house, it's going to cost you. But is it worth it? Yeah. So that day in my pickup truck, God had it. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, tell me you'll do it. And I said, no. I'm not going to tell you I'll do something. I may not want to do it. And I'm so tired of being miserable. Finally, I bowed my head and said, okay. He said, I want you to trust me. I can show you your faith by your obedience. What you're doing is your faith.
What you're not doing is disobedience. That's a lack of faith in God. That's all that it is. I bowed over that steering wheel that day and I said, okay, I trust you. The peace came back. The joy came back. My health came back. Prosperity came back. And then he asked me to pastor. I didn't want to do this. Because people are difficult. Wouldn't it be nice if I could charge you? You own a business. You charge me. I don't. I say anything about money. I have a. I have a wrong heart. Come in church for free if you want to. People. But then if he actually called you to pastor, he'll put a love in you for people. And then he'll teach you to trust God. So I go, God, the bills are yours. My bills are yours. And then I just trust God. But the other day, the Lord began to deal with me about this subject again. He said, I want you to start preaching on obedience. The world today is trying to have church without obeying God. You can't be a Christian without obeying God. And if you're here today and not obeying him, your Christianity begins the day you bow your knee and say, you're Lord. That's when everything's going to change for you. And what you saw me, that's what took me from where I was. God did it. I didn't do it. Amen. Okay. That clock's a lie. Anyway, <laughs> go to Matthew 7. We'll close with this. Now, I, I was going to ask you, is this helping you? But, you know, even if it's not, hallelujah. How many of you guys are ready to make some adjustments? I'm ready to make some adjustments in my life, guys. I'm ready to, I'm ready to, I'm, listen, I've been looking at my life going back over things that God is saying, you're not doing that. You, I ask you to do that and you're not doing that. And I go, okay, starting today, I'll do it. I got a little journal. I start writing down what it is. He says, you know, I need to be doing. I'm making the adjustments that I need to. That's faith. Now listen to this scripture. Jesus is talking in Matthew 7. We'll close with this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, is even going to enter the kingdom of heaven. He who does the will of my father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out devils, did many wonderful works. He said, I'll say to them, I never knew you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken to a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the wind blew and beat that house and it didn't fall. It was founded on a rock. Everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell, and great was its fall. So it was when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority. All right, we just went through Michael. There was a guy on the news that built a house three years ago, and it's standing. He said, they interviewed him. They said, what? He said, I know there's hurricanes. He said, I buried the post 26 feet in the ground. He said, I put windows in that'll stand a 200-mile-an-hour wind. In other words, he says, I know the hurricanes are coming, but the shacks, they're gone. 
Now, let me make a statement to you right now, because I've been pastoring now for 30 years. You'd be surprised how many people walk in this church and say, I'm a Christian. And the minute a storm happens, you fall apart like a $2 suitcase. That's you. So I'm going to say something that you won't like. If you've been carnal, going to the beach is not going to fix your problem. And when I read on Facebook, I just had to go to the beach. No, what you need to do is repent and get back right with God. Oh, y'all, I mean, I'm getting real strong with y'all. Disney, go to Disney, get right with God and go to Disney. But don't go to Disney because you had a bad hair day. And then when you get through with Disney, you got to go to the mountains and see leaves. Folks, there's nothing physical going to fix your hell. If you've been sitting in church and not obeying God, there's nothing in the natural you're going to do is going to fix this. Amen. You can't just keep coming to church and acting like this is Ozzie and Harriet. Now, and these young people have no idea what I just said, Ozzie and Harriet. Who died? That was a movie when I was growing up where people came to the dinner table in suits and ties. I mean, everything was perfect. The lady's hair was always perfect, and the boy was always perfect, and the family was perfect, and everything was perfect. And they showed up, went to church, and it was perfect, and got a job, and it was perfect, and everything was perfect. And everybody wants a little perfect little life, and it's just, I'm sorry, but it just didn't, life just isn't that way. If you've lived any length of time, you, you're either in a storm, coming out of one, or headed into one. <laughs> Are y'all out there? Did you go home? You headed into a storm. But if you built the house right, go to bed. You know, Lisa and I are looking to build an addition on the house. You have no idea what kind of steel they want in that thing. I mean, there's 20, how many posts? How many? 20 something downpours, downsells. I remember when we put four in a house. But they're making it now to where when you go to bed in your bedroom and it's a hurricane, just go to sleep. Because I don't care what happens, your house ain't going nowhere. And after Michael, you know what's going to happen? They're going to change the codes again. Wonder if we change the code in church. Maybe we ought to put a little steel in your backbone. Maybe we ought to put a little obedience in your soul. Maybe we ought to get some crap out of your head. Maybe we ought to make some adjustments someplace so you can handle life. How am I doing? Yeah, I'm doing good. I still make adjustments. I didn't make adjustments one day and that was it. I make adjustments weekly. I pick up my Bible and go, Ah, wow, I read that. I know it. I don't like it, but okay. I was reading the scripture the other day on faithfulness. I went, hmm, okay, I got to change some stuff. <laughs> Am I the only one in here? Faith is, is obedience. If you're not obeying the Bible, you don't have any faith in God. Because you think he lied about it. You think I got a better idea than he does. Well, let me tell you something. It don't work. I was a youth pastor. 
I would love to take you to girls that were in my youth group. Married the wrong guy. And I told him not to. We in love. That was four husbands ago. Six children ago. And now they're on welfare. Are y'all out there? Did you go home? Hell on earth. Didn't listen to thing. Don't listen to mom. Don't listen to nobody. Lisa's going, oh my God, you, you need to hush. <laughs> you ready? I want to pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the word. This, this word has helped me. And I'm asking that you write what I'm saying today on our hearts. I want this church to get up and walk out of here today different than they walked in. I don't want to walk into the church and say, wasn't that a cute sermon? I want them to walk in and go, wow, I think my life's fixing to be different. Father, if there's people sitting in the room right now and they're not doing what you said, I'm asking you to give them the grace right now to start making the adjustments of the things you're saying to them to change in their life. If their marriage is not where it should be, what they need to make adjustments in. If their Christian life is, if they're not saved, they need to make that adjustment today and go from this day forward, Jesus is Lord. I pray also over this city that there's pastors all over this nation right now that'll come back to preaching the truth to the people in churches. This nation is devoid of truth. We've got so much junk going on, but it's our fault. We as the pastors caused it because we refuse to preach the truth. I pray, Father God, the people walk out here today appreciative of a church where truth is preached, where we can actually walk in and hear what the Word says, make the adjustments in our life, watch our children growing up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, getting married and staying married because we did it according to the Word, looking for health and finding out what you said, doing what you said and watching our bodies respond. And if we're broke and finances are not good, we would find out what you said. Start doing what you said and watch what happens to our finance. Watch what you do in our life. Father, all of us in this room are guilty. I tried to make that plain today, sir. That even I, the pastor, I've had times in my own life where I've struggled with your word. But it didn't change it. It was still true. I still had to come back to it. I still had to recognize that I needed to be a doer of this word. And I will, I'm happy to say I did. I'm happy to say that I'm full of joy today. I'm full of peace today. Father, it's, it's so nice knowing in my heart that I'm full of faith. But not because I have this super duper faith. It's because I chose to obey you in every area. And there's people in here right now, Father, I know they're struggling. I know they're going through some stuff. My heart encourages them, pick up this Bible. Be a doer of this word. Listen to it. Read it. Study it. Walk in the light of it. Walk with God. Father, if there's young people in this room right now, they're not married yet. They have no idea what they're about to get into. But I don't think they understand that without you and without the word of God, it's not easy. 
It's great joy if you do it right. But they've got to do it right. They've got to marry a young man who loves Jesus. They've got to marry girls who love Jesus. They've got to. They've got to marry people correctable. They've got to raise their children according to the word of God if they want them to turn out right. And they're not going to turn out right unless they, unless they bring them to church and read the Bible and live it mom and dad in front of them. It's not going to work. Father, I've preached my heart out. I've said strong things today. I recognize that the job of pastoring is a, is a fearsome responsibility that I'll have to answer to you one day. And I pray that I said things in a way that, they, that, that was palatable, they could hear it and understand it and not offended at my personality, but yet offended at the word, I'm good with that. But I pray that people walk out here today and their lives, are, they're going to change and they're going to have a better life than had they not showed up today. Their life is going to change for the better. Father God, I have to leave this with you now. I love them and I know you love people. And I ask you to bless this church, bless people. Give them a grace. Give them a grace. Sorry I kept you over. Thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.